the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. It is the Nick D Podcast. My name is Nick DiGilio. Thank you and welcome to episode 161 of the Nick D Podcast with the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, the best podcast podcast network in the world. Uh, Check out all the great podcasts there and also check out our live streaming service that is happening right now as we speak every single day, 24-7. Incredible music that's been unheard, the unheard music show, unsigned bands, great music being played. And in between all that, incredible and great and entertaining and varied and cool episodes of all the podcasts that are available at Radio Misfits, including my two podcasts, which are the Nick T Podcast, this one, and that show hasn't been funny in years, an SNL podcast, my other one. You can hear this show every day at 3 p.m., and you can hear uh, that show hasn't been funny in years every day at 9 a.m. Those are both central time as part of the 24-hour service, radiomisfits.live. It's like radio-only cooler, and it's available all the time, and it's free. So get in there and listen 24-7 to all the great podcasts, including my two podcasts, radiomisfits.live. It is episode 161. As I said before, Dan Feinberg is going to join us for our other weekly bi-weekly visit to talk about TV. He writes for The Hollywood Reporter, and he has a blog called The Fine Print, F-I-E-N, a TV expert, the most knowledgeable guy in the world of television, and a great critic. We will talk TV and much more. Then, Esmeralda Leon will join me, as uh, she always does, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to talk about whatever pops up into our brains and uh, we'll probably end up uh, finishing up that conversation about the uh, food, uh, the fast food conversation. And my dad stops by to tell a joke, as he does every single Tuesday. My dad is 81 years old. He'll be 82 in just a matter of weeks. Uh, and he's been telling jokes since birth. So, you know, he got 81 years of worth of material in that brain of his. And he likes to share those great jokes with us. And he'll stop by to tell a joke after Esmeralda and I are finished chatting. So that's what's coming up on this little uh, episode. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do, baby. All right, so that's Carrie Russell, and she will be uh, joining us uh, as well. Always Hi, I'm does. Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. As we continue through the summer, as it gets hot and crazy. And uh, speaking of summer, the flashback weekend horror convention is coming up in just two weeks as I record this. And that will be on August 4th through the 6th, August 4th through the 6th, 2023, at the Hyatt Regency O'Hare. Beautiful hotel. We take that place over. It is three days of nonstop fun, nonstop horror, hanging out, parties, cool events, concerts, celebrities, stars, everywhere. Me, running around like a maniac. I will be hosting. I will be introducing. I will be moderating. I will be running around. I will be meeting and greeting, and I will be talking to celebrities and hanging out with you. And I will be co-hosting my podcast live on the stage at the uh, Flashback Weekend uh, Convention. That'll be on August 5th, Saturday at 12.30 p.m. 
So make sure you get there, get your tickets, and get there. And I mean, for unbelievable, there's going to be a scream reunion. There's going to be Terrifier and Terrifier one, uh, two and one reunion, Halloween two reunion, celebrities everywhere, horror everywhere, a vendor room where you can buy the greatest merchandise of all time. It's a vast, huge thing. The car from Christine is going to be there. The 1958 uh, Plymouth Fury will be there. You can hang out, take pictures with it. You can take pictures professionally and selfies and all kinds of stuff with all of the amazing horror celebrities that are going to be there. And you can hang out with me and say hello to me and come up and shake hands and me and Esmeralda. I've got unbelievable prizes to give away at my podcast recording. Uh, I've got some t-shirts and some other really cool things. I will be showing a new trailer for a new horror movie that doesn't come out until the end of uh, August. I'll be premiering that at our podcast. And our podcast is going to be great. So make sure you show up Saturday, August 5th at 12.30 p.m. in the big ballroom downstairs at the Hyatt Regency. Um, we want to pack the place, and you can be a part of it. It's interactive. We're going to talk with you. We're going to talk about horror movies. What was the scariest movie you've ever seen? What are your scary stories? You tell us a story. You be a part of it. You be recorded as part of the podcast, which will be an episode right here on Radio Misfits, and you'll get some prizes and T-shirts, Nick D. Show T-shirts and all kinds of great stuff, and Esmeralda will be there. We'll have fun. And our special guests, uh, halfway through the podcast, the three stars of Christine are going to join us on stage, and we are going to have the live 40th anniversary John Carpenter's Christine reunion on that stage during my podcast. You need to be there. You have to be there. You have to tell your friends, and you have to pack the place. The 40th anniversary of John Carpenter's Christine with William Ostlander, Stephen Tash, and Malcolm Danar is going to be happening on my stage, recorded as part of my podcast. So make sure you're there. The Nick D Podcast Live with the 40th anniversary Christine reunion happening during that episode only. It's the only time and only place that you can see those guys, and that's going to be on my podcast. So make sure you're there to get some prizes and hang out. It's going to be amazing. And it's going to be an amazing weekend in general. With uh, you know, Sven Gulli is going to be there. Joe Bob Briggs is going to be there. I will be introducing a whole bunch of stuff and hanging out. Everything that Sven Gulli does, I will be there and introducing him and hanging out. Joe Bob Briggs and all these other celebrities. It's going to be amazing for the whole weekend. August 4th through the 6th. Hyatt Regency O'Hare. Flashbackweekend.com. Get your tickets now. And remember, Saturday, August 5th, 12.30 p.m., the Nick D Podcast Live. You, me, Esmeralda, the guys from Christine, and it'll all be recorded, and you will be a part of it. So make sure you're there. It's going to be an amazing weekend. Flashbackweekend.com, and get your tickets now. So it's going to be fun. I can't, God, I can't wait. It's every year. It's fantastic, and it'll be fantastic this year. All right, uh, Dan Feinberg, uh, he talks TV, and that's what we're going to do right now after I tell you that you needed to immediately be congratulated. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D Podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh, yeah, don't be a jagoff. Somewhere else, Dan Feinberg. Yeah. Every other week, uh, we talk with Dan Feinberg on the Tuesday podcast. He is a television critic for The Hollywood Reporter. 
he has a podcast called TV's Top 5, and he also has a website called The Fine Print, where he covers everything television-related, and that's F-I-E-N, The Fine Print. And let's say hello to Dan. Hi, Dan. What up, Nick? How are you, sir? Plugging away. It's beginning to feel a little bit summery out here, so so yeah. kind of kind of hot, kind of tired, kind of sluggish. But I am as I as I told you before we went on the air. I'm pounding the diet coke, and I should be all peppy by the time we get to by the end of the 50, segment. Exactly by 50, <laughs> by fifty minutes from now, I should be rolling. Oh, good. That helps this show out a lot. All right, yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, and and we're supposed to have some really like. Uh, by Thursday and Friday here, it's we're supposed to hit the hottest, most annoying weather of the summer so far. So we're gonna. And honestly, the fact is, it's it's mid July. Well, it's actually late July, late July at this yeah. point. I can't yeah. I can't really begrudge the fact right. that it's summery out there. Yeah. So what no, can you do? I mean, I I hate the weather, but that's you know that's par for the course in this city. It is so. not my preference. Right. Okay. Well, we're here uh, now that we got the weather report out of the way. Let's tell everybody <laughs> first. Uh, check out the fineprint dot uh, com f i e n Hollywood Reporter and all that cool stuff. The podcast that you. Uh, that you co-host is called TV's Top 5. It's associated with The Hollywood Reporter. Tell us, one about the podcast, when people can hear it, and about uh, the current episodes. Indeed. Uh, so yes, TV's Top 5. It comes out every Friday, bright and early in the morning, and I host it with my colleague Leslie Goldberg, and she is, of course, a reporter. I am, of course, a critic, so we come at things from our different perspective, and we talk about all of the biggest television stories in the industry, and we usually, over the years, have done a weekly interview with a showrunner of a TV show. But of course, because of multiple industry-wide strikes, we've had to move away from that. And so we've been trying our hardest to get in different interview content that isn't exactly what we were doing before. So if you right. go back and look at this past week's episode, uh, we have Justine Bateman, who, of course, people will think of, depending on their age or point of reference, as, of course, the star of Family Ties, multiple Emmy nominee for that. She was the star of the classic film Satisfaction, but she likes to make it clear that she is a former actress. What she is now is she is a writer, director, and general industry advocate and one of the things that she's been advocating heavily for in recent months be both before the strike and since both strikes began is a warning call about artificial intelligence particularly generative ai and what it means for the industry so we had her on the podcast and she is just she is smart as attack sharp as attack is i guess what you are because attacks are more sharp than smart right. uh, but it, it was just a really good conversation and went a long way, I would think, to explain to anybody who doesn't understand concerns about AI why it is that both actors and writers think that it <laughs> that it presents an existential threat to what it is that they do and why it's important in their current negotiations. So uh so yeah, she she is our most recent guest and and she was really she was just excellent. And so uh, strongly recommend that it is available wherever you get your podcasts. I am a big fan of hers. Um, always have been. And I love how she has, um, you know, changed over the years um, uh, and embraced that change and is really outspoken. I think she's great. I've always been. Oh, she's she's super. And she and, and, you know, she she again, she does not think of herself as an actress now. And so that is entirely appropriate. It isn't going to change the fact that, uh, you know, 10 year old Dan had a huge crush on Mallory Keaton. But whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Just nothing to be done about that. But no, she, you know, she has a computer science degree from UCLA. So she knows of what she speaks in this. And she 
she was on the SAG national board for a couple of years and she left back in 2009. And part of why she left is because she felt as if the agreement that they were signing was not paying enough attention to shifts from old media to new media. And Uh well, guess what? Now she gets to sit back and, and basically be a Cassandra figure and but she's also attempting to be out there and to make arguments strongly. And I think she's doing a very good job. I think she is a very good representative for her various guilds because she is in both SAG, WGA, and the uh, DGA. So she she comes from across all of the boundaries. Awesome. Okay, great. Everybody should check that out. That's TV's Top 5. Uh, all of this stuff you can find um, uh, centrally located at The Fine Print, F-I-E-N. So uh, there you go. All right. Uh, has it been? Has it been kind of? Uh, uh, tell me a little bit about. Um, you know, you, we've talked a little bit about it before, but how do you? Are you having an interesting kind of fun time navigating the strike with this podcast? Has that been kind of an interesting thing to do? Well, I think that we. I, th- I think that we have definitely had to expand our horizons, and I think that we've been doing so in interesting ways. I think under normal circumstances, we would never have Justine Bateman on the podcast, uh, you know, and and it was great to have her on. Last month, we had the terrific Writer's Room reunion for Happy Endings, which is the kind of thing that under most circumstances we never would have considered yeah. doing. It is still a little bit more scrambling than I think that <laughs> all things considered, we have the time or desire to do because Leslie of course has to actually be covering the news of all this and I'm uh, in a position currently where there's no downtime for television I I think that we will I I think if you look at the August schedule you will start noticing around mid-August that a lot of (laughs) a lot of things are going a little bit dark and I, I think I think it's at least in part so that they have programming through September, October, November, December. I don't think it's because they've run out. I think it's kind of martial resources. Yeah. But it is coming. And so <laughs> we'll we'll see what the podcast looks like come early yeah. September if we're still in this. And then, of course, there's always just the constant reminder that this is this is not a good thing for uh, thousands upon thousands of workers, um, starting with the writers and uh, actors who just want to get paid for their work, but also the industry at large. And so it would be it would really be good if at some point the studios would go back to the negotiating table, because I don't think there's any advantage to what they're attempting to do right now, which is wait out the writers and actors and just let their stock prices plummet. And so I don't fully get that strategy, but not for me to say, apparently. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, obviously uh, you'll be uh, uh, covering it and, uh, and all that good stuff. By the way, you know, speaking of pushing things back and, and things like that, uh, we are still about two weeks away, almost a little less than two weeks away from uh, Big Brother, which uh, <laughs> has been pushed back because of the strike so that they can bleed into their fall schedule. That's why they did it, correct? That is absolutely why they did it. They did it so that they would have programming into into the fall. And then it it seemed I don't know that they formally announced it, but it seems almost inevitable that we're going to get another mini season of Big Brother like they did back in the the really dismal January, February season back in the earlier writers strike. So it's it's not good. It's not like. It's not like the show isn't capable of producing very bad seasons of television. So it has, yeah. It, 
you, you, you just have you just have a tendency to stick with them whereas i have a tendency to check out after a week right. or two if i can't find anyone i care about and right. so once I, again I, I, you know and again i i i know that i got you covered don't worry about it um when when the when the when the idiocy hits the fan i will still be watching so and I am I am looking forward to that, and I am looking forward to at least for a week or two, both of us being able to discuss it, watching yeah. it at the same time. But exactly. probably now, not long run. The 25th anniversary special is coming up this week. Uh, um, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's Thursday night. Is, is that the... a is that a real thing that's actually happening? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. It's a. <laughs> I mean, it's I, a... I believe you. You wouldn't it lie is. about it's such a, a thing. See, no, it's a big. I mean, it's it involves Big Brother. Of course, I'm going to be aware of it. It's uh, the 25th anniversary special. I believe it's Thursday night. It's on CBS primetime. Um, and uh, so I guess they'll be just going through 25th anniversary. Uh, not been 25 years, but it's been 25. I guess this is season 25 coming up. I, I don't know. I don't know because I feel like season one was 2000 or something. Yeah, so but they, I think I, I don't know if they're counting celebrity, uh, uh, you know, uh, Big Brothers or just that there have been in, in, in 20 years or whatever since, you know, or 20, whatever it was, 20, 23 years, there are two extra seasons thrown in there or one extra season thrown in there. I think well, they're, you just, know what? I think I think they're right. just making stuff up as they go Well, along. no, I think you're right. I think you covered it. I think it was the strike. I think that was the, the extra season because if it's 23 years and they got the strike and this is coming up on the 25th, this will be the 25th, that makes sense. I, but I don't know how to tell people this anniversary. The the A N N I part refers to a year. Yeah, so I know. I know that. I know, and I know you know that. I'm yeah. telling. I'm telling CBS to stop lying. Is what right. I'm saying. Right. That's, right. No. But, yeah. No. I mean. Yeah. I know. I know exactly what you mean. But but yeah. So it's the 25th season is what they should say instead of anniversary. But also that kind of special is just going to end up being an awful lot of Julie Chen Moonves, and I do not. I, I, I know I'm not a fan either, and I'm not a fan either. And it will be they will obviously highlight a lot of the morons because that's great TV, obviously. So they'll highlight a lot of the morons and bad behavior. I'm sure will be will be highlighted. It's only an hour, so of course I'm going to watch it. So you know, anyway, that's coming up. That's that's must see TV. On that is my, a lot of bad behavior to cover in just one hour. Yeah, I mean, I think it's only an hour. I don't think they're going to cover two hours. I'm pretty sure they're not going to give two hours of prime time to. Well, maybe they will. <laughs> you could cover the rampant nationally televised racism for an hour if that was all you wanted to do. I just don't. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that won't yeah. be the focus. That but. won't be the focus. But it could be. They could do a whole week on the on that on that stuff that's popped up. So <sighs> anyway, sad but true. All right. So August 2nd is the new season of Big Brother, and I'm all ready to watch it at 2 o'clock in the morning to watch people sleep. I'm happy about that. So anyway. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's get into some of, uh, some of the newer stuff. Well, the last time that you were on was, in fact, the day before the uh, Emmy nominations for 2023 were announced. And we did a show where we chatted about it and did some predictions. And you, thought, you talked about uh, some of the stuff that you wanted, some of the stuff that you expected. Uh, the, the nominations have occurred. What are your thoughts? Well, my first thought, and I texted you very, very early after I started looking at the nominees, which was you threw out like a half dozen different nominations. And to almost all of them, I said, eh, this is 50-50 or something. You know, like I kept doing that over and right. over again. Yeah, it seems 50-50. Right. You got 
almost all of them. So I, I, I was very pleased for you, if not for anybody else. So right. no, I, I, I appreciate, and I, and I, and I really appreciated the text. I was like, wow, all right, cool. TV expert texting me. That's pretty cool. Uh, look, you, you kept asking about things and I kept, and I kept going, maybe it's possible. It's not ridiculous to think that might happen. And just one after another, whether it was, whether it was Ray Liotta for, for Blackbird or right. Quinta Brunson for Saturday Night Live, or there were just, there were just a bunch of them that you were right on the ball with so i am happy for you well, if nothing cool. else all right well thank you yeah no i was when i when i read because i didn't you know watch them live or anything i do that for the oscars but i didn't do it for the Emmys. but uh but i looked at it and i was like wow cool a lot of the stuff that i thought and hoped would get nominated i was a little disappointed i was happy to see that daniel radcliffe got nominated that made me very happy that he got nominated for playing weird al well kind of playing weird al um in that thing but i was a little disappointed quite frankly that uh, evan Rachel wood did not get nominated for playing madonna that was a little i was a little disappointed <laughs> <laughs> see if you'd asked me if that was going to happen i would I have told you there was a zero percent chance of that that's what that, so. that's why i didn't bring it up last time but like in my heart of hearts i would have been thrilled to see evan rachel wood get a nomination for playing madonna in the l in the weird l movie and that got a, a few nominations did it get it, it, it got it did didn't it, it uh, I, be, I believe it got a movie a, an original movie nomination as well i think it yeah it it was fairly well represented it it got yeah, there. Look, the nominations at this point are such a mess, and I think they have so little to do with anything. And I, I don't know what you're supposed to do with them at this point. I like my instinct is that it's almost necessary to scrap the entire thing and start from the ground up, and that's never going to happen. But instead, it's it's just it's all of these shows that get all of the nominations and then so many shows just get lost and some of them, it makes sense. And some of them, it's just, it's just ridiculous, bad taste from the TV Academy. And yeah. then it wouldn't be a conversation with the two of us. If we didn't note uh, our shared opinion that succession and white Lotus are both comedies. Yeah, so then you have, <laughs> so those are shows with 50 combined nominations on the drama series side. <laughs> That's not crazy. That went to two comedies, right? Already. Once you have that happen, it means everything else is going to be spiraling out of control around it because you've just lost the thread. Mm -hmm. And I, I felt like there were a lot of circumstances in which they lost the thread at the well, Emmys this year. Before we get into specifics on that and your thoughts on the Emmys specifically, let's talk a little bit about your July 14th uh, TV's Top 5, um, which was about the actor's strike casting a shadow over the Emmy nominations. What was talked about? What, give me a little gist on what people can hear in that podcast. Well, it was just... The, the point was basically that because... SAG and the AMPTP pushed back their negotiations by slightly under a week. Uh, it meant that as the nominations were being announced, basically all that anyone was doing was being, okay, is there about to be a strike that everyone's about to go out on? So the nominations right. were on Wednesday at midnight. The contract talks ended because that was when the contract ran out and then the next morning there was the big press conference with Fran Drescher and and everybody walked out and and so it was just a situation where on one hand you had Hollywood desperately wanting to pat itself on the back because yeah, that yeah. is what these yeah. shows are all about and, and then on the other hand you had the largest group of industry employees gilded industry employees about to go on strike and the awareness that because of these two strikes all anyone could do was say, well, the Emmys are tentatively scheduled for September 18th, but 
and at yep. this point there's almost no i i guess that if both sides reached an agreement in the next week or two which would involve the amptp going back to the negotiating table which they have not done with either group but that is the only way that it will be possible that the emmys can be held on september 18th otherwise you are looking at a ceremony that could be almost any time and so and and so at a moment at which what the industry wanted to do was pat itself on the back, instead it was partially backpacking and partially people freaking out about everything getting to go under. Yeah, and 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 again, like you can't do, you can't uh, proceed with an Emmy award ceremony thinking, well, the Tonys did it. It's it's a completely different situation. It absolutely is, and. And of course, the Tonys also could not have gone forward if the actors had already gone on strike. So, yeah. so the Tonys were able to go forward both because it was, quote unquote, only the writers, but also because they simply were able to make an agreement. We're going to do this without writers and everything is going to be basically all of these pre-written performances. Right. The Emmys cannot do that. It even if the actors were to reach an agreement ahead of the writers or vice versa, it wouldn't, it wouldn't really matter. Right. But even if the actors were to say, okay, well we can come take our trophies. They still wouldn't do it because the writers would still be picketing the event and, and the actors would not cross a picket line for that. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's just going to be a, a giant fiasco and the possibility exists that we could have the Emmys maybe in, November, which already is close to a, a, a best case scenario. People are already talking about January. But if we're having the Emmys in January, already people are utterly flummoxed regarding when these seasons of television actually uh, yeah. were. And so yeah. one of the things that I did after the Emmys were not the nominations were announced was I went down the rabbit hole of people complaining that Jamie Lee Curtis didn't get a nomination for beef, uh, not for beef, for the bear well, rather. Twitter. Yeah, because it's a, well, it's about that show is actually about beef. But, uh, it is. It's totally it's it all makes sense in my brain. No, but does. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But so it was one pre person after another freaking out about the great performance that they watched last week, not getting nominated. And one person after another, sort of these kind of Twitter white knights popping up and going, well, actually, these nominations were for season one, which was actually last summer. Next summer will be that. But like if if we make it into January of 2024 and the leading contenders for the Emmys are a comedy series that aired episodes in June or July of 2022, why would anybody yeah. find any meaning in that? It's it's, it's just going to be a fiasco and yeah. oh well, whatever, but they're just awards. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, that, we're keeping an eye on that. Now, now the awards themselves, the nominations themselves, um, uh, you know, uh, any anything that you found surprising, anything you found interesting? What, what were your thoughts on the actual Emmy nominations? I thought there, look, I love Succession. I'm not going to tell you Succession shouldn't have been the most nominated show on whatever side it happened to be on, whether it was drama or comedy, whatever. So, look, a lot of recognition for Succession will always make me happy. Um, a lot of recognition for White Lotus. I like White Lotus an awful lot. It does not bother me at all. Uh, all of the acting performances from The Last of Us, so very happy to see acting nominations for for Nick Offerman, for Murray Bartlett, for Bella Ramsey, for Pedro Pascal, all of those people. So happy with all of that. Um, I I was, you know, when we talked last time, I, I expressed my concern 
that the narrative around beef, and in this case, I actually am talking about beef. Uh, <laughs> right, not the bear. You're talking about beef. My, con- my concern was that the narrative about David Cho and his beyond problematic whatevers uh, that they had taken away from the conversation and that I had worries about Stephen Young and Ali Wong and they were nominated. Supporting actors were nominated. Maria Bello was nominated. So lots of recognition there that made me happy Um, with the bear. It was a guarantee that Jeremy Allen White was going to be nominated, but I was happy to have Io Berry get nominated as well. That felt like a a good decision. Mm -hmm. Uh, there, there were a lot of things like that. And then and then you just sort of get to all the things that the Emmys just simply aren't aware exist. And I always start with Reservation Dogs there because Reservation Dogs was my number one show of last year. And so it getting one nomination and that being a nomination for sound editing or something. That's oh, oh man. That's goofy. Uh, we we talk on this podcast all the time about Atlanta. The final season of Atlanta got one nomination for cinematography. Ridiculous. Ridiculous um, yeah. and, and it should be noted also that in both cases, and this is just kind of a, a little footnote, you have... You have Reservation Dogs, which is a triumph of uh, Native American representation. You have Atlanta, that is um, one of the blackest shows on television on both sides of the camera. And then you have a white cinematographer for Atlanta getting nominated and a white sound effects editor for Reservation Dogs getting nominated. It yep. just uh, it yep. is it is not a good look. No, nope, it's that not. Is, <laughs> and that <laughs> is not, not ideal. No. Um and then there are this, just the, the other head-scratching things. I assume you share my perplexity about Rachel Weisz not getting nominated for Dead Ringers. Completely. Well, I mean, you know, I, I listen, uh, uh, David, you know, I, I'll tell you something. Um, Jeremy Irons didn't get nominated when the movie came out. So the fact True. that Rachel, Rachel Weisz didn't get nominated, I'm like, well, okay, that's par for the course. <laughs> Yes. So, so you're saying that she's going to win an Emmy in two years, and then she'll thank all the people. <laughs> and she'll from thank Cronenberg. Dead no, yeah, yeah, she won't thank Cronenberg. She'll thank the people who who did. Uh, yeah, maybe that'll happen. I don't know, but no, I'm, I'm of course. I mean, it's one of the most stunning performances of the year. Two of the most stunning performances of of last year of this year, and no question. And so, and so that irritated me. But on the other hand, I was very happy that Dominique Fishback got a nomination yeah, for me Swarm. Too. Me and too. so, you know, it's the like it's the same team. It's the same Amazon Awards team, and they and they get to be like, "Yay, look at that nomination we did get!" And then look at all the nominations we didn't get. And you know, I'm sure it becomes a a day of it was a day of mixed blessings. And I I felt like there were a lot of things like that and and then just there are the kind of the ridiculous things i've you know Dahmer monster the jeffrey Dahmer story getting as many nominations as it did is idiotic but like clearly there were serious problems in the movie and miniseries category this year if that got nominated and also if obi-wan kenobi got a bunch of nominations and and i just look i don't I didn't hate Obi-Wan Kenobi. I just barely remember Obi-Wan Kenobi existed. So why on earth would that get nominated? But then again, I was happy to see Andor got all of the nominations that it did because I think that was a really, really good Star Wars television show. So... Yeah, mixed mixed emotions throughout. And and that just kind of is what the Emmys are at this point is either... Either you concentrate on whatever the the handful of things are that make you really happy, or you concentrate on the things that are just ridiculous misses, and mm-hmm. you, you choose how you want to feel about it. Okay. Well, they're out there. We don't know if the show is going to happen, when it's going to happen. Again, everything is completely up in the air because of these two strikes that are ongoing that are affecting um, movie business and uh, and television business and all kinds of 
all kinds of businesses, um, including um, conventions, which I am attending in a couple of weeks. Then the Q and A's are going to be real interesting there. So we'll see. <laughs> what it, what is the situation with with uh, that? It's you know I got the I got the rule book and uh, some of it is at the discretion of the people that I will be interviewing. I will have a powwow with each person to see what they can or are willing to talk about. Um, so you know um, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens. That's that's all you can, that's all you can do is try yeah. to avoid people getting in trouble. And that's it. Yeah, that's it. So, um, it, but it, it, it is something that we had, I mean, we had to, you know, I've, I've been, I've been a host and a moderator at this particular horror convention for, it'll be 21 years. And we've never had to have a powwow about how we handle Q and A's and what is off the limits and how we have to sit down with the talent beforehand and go through like an outline of what they can and can't talk about, or if they are willing to risk it, what they'll, what they will talk about on stage. I don't know. So, and, I don't know. and yet they they did successfully apparently have Comic Con in, in San Diego last weekend. So and I know, and, no, and I kept I kept close eye on that. You know what I mean? Just because clearly I've got you know it's it's a, we're a week we're almost a week away, just a week away from flashback. And I was keeping an eye on what was going to happen in San Diego to to get some sort of you know some sort of like guidance into what was acceptable and what wasn't. And I didn't you know I clearly want to support you know the people that are striking, the writers, the actors, the people in the in the union, and yet. Uh, I want the Q and A's to be entertaining. I don't want to walk on stage and go, uh, "We can't talk about Christine, which is the movie that you guys are here to talk about for the 40th anniversary." So, what shoe size, you know, do you have? I mean, I, I, I feel I feel as if most people would feel as if it was on limits to talk about a 40 year old movie that presumably the studio is not fronting the panel. Yeah. So no, no, and this is an independently run. Yeah, I think uh, I I would guess that probably most people are going to feel like it's okay, and probably they're right. So yeah, yeah. and I and I can tell you this right now that Malcolm Danar, um, who is one of the members from of the of the the cast that's going to be up there, he's cool. I already interviewed him, and he's cool with talking about it. And you know, so that at least we will have one person on stage. I don't know about the other two guys, <laughs> but the, but I have I've had Malcolm is going to be on the next episode of this podcast, and I taped I taped it already, and he was fine to talk about it, and um. And we spent a significant amount of time. We'll say this: we spent a significant more than I guess he thought we thought we would, because I he's in this movie Heaven Help Us, and I happen to adore them. <laughs> I adore that movie, and I spent much more time talking about that than Christine with him. <laughs> I still think it's probably safe, and I hope it goes well. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, you know, and, and again, I mean, this is you know these are things. It's not just affecting you know TV and movies and things like that. And it certainly is, and not just affecting the fact that whether we have an Emmy award ceremony or anything like that it's also affecting these things like conventions and 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 things like that it's a far-reaching entertainment uh strike um so anyway all right well the emmy nominations are out there and uh if you guys want to check out uh you know the podcasts uh where they where you guys talk to justine bateman and discuss this shadow over the emmy nominations um you can check that all out at the fine print um and uh, tv's top five okay uh uh, by the way, have you been watching this uh, season of What We Do in the Shadows? I have. I believe I've seen, I think I've seen the first four or five episodes. I can't remember how many they sent out. Four or okay. five sounds right. Okay. I don't know where we are in what they've, they, I think three. Uh, no, no, no. Four. I think this was four this last oh. this last week. Because I think the first night they showed two. On the premiere night, they showed two back to back and now they didn't one. So I think, I think this past week was four. Fourth episode. All I know is I I don't know if I've laughed harder in an episode, you know, in this well first definitely in the first four. The, this was the the Pride Parade episode. I'm telling you, 
I literally almost fell off my couch laughing during that one. And uh, I just thought it was unbelievable. And it gave, I mean, my, my favorite character on the show is Nadia. And, and it gave her a chance to really do a lot of different and crazy stuff where she got to pretend to be, um, oh God, why am I, why am I blanking on the, uh, on the energy vampire's name, the character name? Why am I blanking on it? Um, Colin Robinson. Yeah. God, how can I blank on Colin Robinson? Where she got to do Colin Robinson, you know, like schizophrenically act like the doll and Colin Robinson and like Nadia. It was a great showcase for her. And Matt Berry was unbelievably, well, he's always funny. But all of that was funny. The whole Pride Parade thing. I literally think it's one of the funniest episodes they've ever done of that show. I, I thought that was that episode was great. And then I also thought the fourth episode, and I again, I'm not really sure if it's aired yet. But anyway, the the election campaign for uh, the Comptroller episode, is has that one aired yet or no. not? Mm-mm. Okay, then that is episode four. Uh, okay. And you'll like it because it has someone you like in it. Okay. Well, they they often do. They like to throw in people... <laughs> And it's it, someone you like who has been on a previous episode. So okay. It's not going to be a total uh, shock. Okay. But. I love that uh, the Kristen Shaw's a regular now. Like, she's on the opening credits now. I, I, I love that. <laughs> the, though I'm not completely sure they always know how to use her. And I, I think agree. that's... And, <laughs> I and, and I think that's sort of is, is kind of one of my issues with the show. Like, for example, did we really need multiple episodes in the early going that have such a strong focus on Sean? Yeah, no, that's 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 yeah. Well, yeah. True. I don't dislike Sean. I like yeah. a Sean episode per season, but the fact that two of yeah. the first three episodes of the season were really Sean heavy to me, yeah, is more Sean than I require. Okay. But right. and I, I and I love Kristen Shaw. I just wish they had a like. I feel like her first episode or two this season was basically her wandering around the house going. Is there anything for me to do here as a reflection well, of them right. not no, knowing what to do with her? No, you're right. That's literally what she does. <laughs> so that's so true. I don't know. I don't know if that's necessarily the best use of Kristen Shaw yeah. imaginable because yeah. she's obviously fantastic and mm-hmm. I love her in many, many things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, but I, I definitely I thought they did some interesting things with the Guillermo partial transition thing. I yep. thought that has been interesting. Yep. Um, and and yes, the the uh, the body swap comedy involving the doll and Colin oh. Robinson was really excellent stuff. So. Really funny, and 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 the whole like when when uh, uh, when uh, Laszlo was you know um, examining uh, Guillermo, and uh, and Guillermo says, "So I'm a daywalker. I'm like Blade," and he says, "Yeah, you're exactly like Blade. Fuck off." <laughs> <laughs> Made me almost fall. That was the line that killed me. I just was, and and the and the delivery of 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 that line by Matt Barry. Anytime Matt Barry says the f word on on what we do, it just makes me. I don't know why. It just makes me laugh. I giggle because Matt Barry is an extremely funny individual. There <laughs> is no there is no arguing with that. He can say absolutely anything and make it funny. <laughs> absolutely, no true. question. Well, I've been happy with this season as I have been. You know, with all of it. I love that show. I just love it, and I think it's great. Um. So speaking of Hulu, look at you. See how I'm segueing there? Nicely done. You're you're a professional, Nick. I'm a professional. I got an award sitting on my coffee table right 50 feet away from me. It's unbelievable. Uh, nice. But anyway, <laughs> Futurama is back uh, with new episodes. You know, I got to tell you, I wasn't even aware that there were new episodes. I have to I, – I, am, I, am I completely just an idiot and a jerk for not knowing <laughs> that? For not knowing, for not being aware that there are brand new episodes of Futurama, I I would say that you are neither an idiot nor a jerk. I would okay. say those two things would not be the things that you are. I would I would say okay. maybe that you're not as deeply tapped 
wrapped into the online Futurama uh, yes. communities okay. as you could be. I think right. that part you could say well, for that's sure. that's definitely, that's definitely true. <laughs> and, and that you were not at Comic-Con this weekend because uh, Futurama had a very large Comic-Con perform, uh, presence, right. I believe. I, this is, again, they did. only... They did, and I knew that, again, going back, because I was keeping tabs on it in preparation for the con that I'm doing. But that's the only... And then when I saw that, I was like, oh... Futurama. And that's when I kind of discovered and then saw that, you know, you wrote a review and all that stuff. So. But honestly, it's, it is a, it's a problem and it's a problem in this case that is a poor planning. Poor, poor planning. Like, yeah. I, I, like I think that um, there are the number of shows that are returning shows that have returned between last week, this week and next week is somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 somewhat high profile shows and as i mentioned already august after mid-august is a wasteland i think several services and i particularly would point to hulu made mistakes in not better distributing things because hulu has they have futurama new episodes they've got reservation dogs coming back next week and i think they've just made their peace with the fact that no one is going to discover that show and again it's it's fx also so it's kind of figuring that out um i think these days probably more people watch what we do in the shadows on hulu than watch it on fx i would say probably by a factor of 10 or 15 like i think probably no one actually watches it on fx these days i do um, do you actually, that's, that's de- really impressive. I, I DVR it on FX. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, but then you also have this fool, a show that I thought was a really good show in its first season last year. And it's coming back this week. I don't feel like anyone knows there are a lot of shows like that. And it's, it's just unnecessary. Like if, if it were business as usual and you just accepted, okay, we're dropping everything at the same time and people will find it or they won't. That wouldn't bother me, but I think there are too many shows coming out last week, this week, and next week that really should have been better distributed through August and September, uh, including Futurama. But Mm -hmm. the truth is, and this was also the essence of my review, Futurama at this point exists for the fans because if it were not for the fans, Futurama would have been canceled by Fox and it would have been canceled by Comedy Central and it would just be gone. And... The first six episodes of the new season on Hulu, it is all of the same people back. You know, most of the same, most of the writers are veteran writers, all of the voices. There was some early controversy about whether or not uh, John DiMaggio was going to be back. And I don't think there was really any chance that they weren't going to make an agreement with him. But still, it it caused the Internet to get concerned in that way that the Internet does. (laughs) And, And that's how it goes. And... You know, the, the six episodes are are all good, and that's all they are. And so either that will bother you or it won't. Either you'll be like, ooh, I want Futurama to be great. And these episodes are not great. These mm-hmm. episodes are first and foremost about bringing back all of the things that you love about Futurama. I compared it to a legacy touring musical act where they go around and they play the hits and... Probably yeah. they do a fantastic job I, of doing it. And that's uh, cool. by the way, I just saw Foreigner and Loverboy over the weekend. So there you go. <laughs> Did they play anything from their respective new albums? <laughs> uh, no, uh, but <laughs> but Foreigner, by the way, there was not one original member up there. And I didn't know that. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I thought Mick Jones was going to be there and he wasn't. And it was literally like watching a tribute band. Um, 
and it, I was, the, you know, they played the songs very well, and you know, but I was like, we, these guys, I, I should, I could have seen these guys at Ramada. I don't, you know, I didn't. But <laughs> Loverboy, you. Loverboy was great. All original members. Mike Reno weighs about six hundred pounds now. God bless him. And uh, but they played all the hits. So uh, no, they did not play anything new. Foreigner, you know, the guys in Foreigner, and I, I I'm, I'm using air quotes when I say Foreigner. Um, you can't see that, but I, but I am. Uh, they did have, you know, the lead singer is one of the most annoying lead singers I've ever witnessed in my life because he did all of the insincere, ridiculous banter, frontman, rock and roll cliches you could possibly imagine. Like it was ridiculous to the point where at the end he was like crying on stage because it was the farewell tour. And I want to thank you all for supporting this band for 50 years. But he didn't say for 50 years and I've been in it for 10. He didn't say that. Um, but anyway. Uh, but no, they, they but they did at one point play. I wrote this song, and the lead singer, you know, who's in the band now, wrote the song in 2006. And you don't care about songs that Foreigner wrote in 2006. <laughs> you don't. You care about songs that Foreigner wrote in 1978. That's that's what you care about. So anyway, huh? So no, it was a very no. weird experience, Dan. There were Shriners there selling raffle tickets. That's all I'm saying. I'm not. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. There were Shriners walking around with fezes on selling raffle tickets for an autographed Foreigner guitar. But did you have fun there? I did. I had a. I had much more fun. Loverboy was an absolute sensation, as far as I was concerned. They played all the hits. They were fantastic. They made a Chris, Christopher Walken cowbell joke before they started working for the weekend, and I was like, "All right, cool. I'm good." <laughs> so <laughs> then you will probably like the new episodes. Of Future <laughs> Be- believe that. Is, believe that is where we started here. I think. No, that is. That's exactly right. Fans are old, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So maybe and, I will enjoy the new episodes of, uh, of And Futurama. again, they're not bad. I've seen six episodes and there is not a bad episode in the group. And so that is an important thing. But it does feel like they're working their way down a checklist where mm. they're just like, ooh, want a Nibbler episode? Here's a Nibbler episode. Yeah, do yeah. you remember the character of Mom? Here's a Mom episode. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, yeah. do, you, do you love Robot Santa? Here's a Robot Santa episode. And so what it means is that there's really... There are there are no new there are no new characters who people 20 years down the road will be like, ooh let's get an episode about this. They they just yeah. don't care about that anymore. They also yeah. I, I don't feel like, you know, when Futurama is at its best for me, it has that kind of mind bending time travel future high concept thing going. And for the most part, these episodes don't really have that. Um but they, you know, they pick up directly off of the last finale, off of the Comedy Central finale. So so that gives the people what they want. And the first yeah. episode is entirely about uh, Fry attempting to binge every show on television. So there are many <laughs> in, there there are many inside jokes about, you know, parody type stuff. And, and he watches everything after signing up for uh, the fourth most popular streaming service, Fulu. Haha, <laughs> get it? Fulu. Oh, wait. I see. Yeah, no, I know. That's the picture that you use for your uh indeed yeah yeah uh, there, there's a lot of that and yeah. so I, know, but i immediately like when you say that i immediately went oh that's i i would like to see fry binge something i of think course. that's course <laughs> and, and i think that is the principle it is sort of the the principle is hey what would the fans like to see these people do sure. here yeah. uh and and my favorite of the episodes is a direct follow-up to uh the the kiff and amy 
tadpole baby episode which was oh, from man. back in which was yeah. from back in 2003 and the yeah. joke of that episode was that amy doesn't think that she's ready for motherhood and the this this is a spoiler for a 20 year old episode of futurama <laughs> here so so i should warn everyone okay um but so the tadpoles go off the tadpoles go off into the swamp or whatever and kiff says uh, they'll be back in 20 years. Maybe you'll be ready for motherhood then. And Amy says she will. But uh, obviously the writers at that point never would have thought right, that they were right. ever going to have to deal with that. Right. But here somebody said, Ooh, it's been 20 years. Let's do it. And I like that they were able That's to funny. do that. And That's it's funny. completely and totally a, there must've been a fan somewhere who was like, Ooh, 2023, it's going to work. And so it does. And, and that's kind of where these new episodes are. It's, it's okay. the, if you are a fan, I think you will like it. I don't think it will, it will remind you what you like about Futurama. I don't know if it'll necessarily remind you of what you love about Futurama. Oh, okay. All right. Okay, cool. All right. Well, that sounds, that sounds okay though. You know, as a fan, that's, all right, that's cool. I think, I think it is enough and, okay. and heaven knows the fans of Futurama have gone through a lot with this show. Yeah. So that's what it's there for. And they are passionate fans. They are definitely passionate fans. I know, I know some Futurama fanatics. And I think that's the principle of not necessarily needing to worry about how widely you're letting people know that this is coming back. Cause I assume that the Futurama fans completely and totally know this is coming back. Of course so. they do. Yes, of course they do. Well, that's cool. Okay. So you can read that review as well. Hey, by the way, you know, uh, we discussed the Emmy nominations and we did not say anything about Hi, I'm Carrie Russell and I love Nick's show. How could I just be so remiss? How is, oh. She's I mad at me now. Carrie's don't mad worry. at me. You, you got there. It's it's okay. all that matters is that all you right. got there eventually. But yes, good for Carrie Russell that she got her nomination for The Diplomat. She totally deserved it. There are, if you sort of go through on that side, there are a number of things that didn't get nominations in those categories as well. But but no, she totally worthy and not necessarily always the kind of performance that Emmy voters notice. So I was yeah. I was happy to see her. Me, well, I was thrilled. I was, and so was she. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell. All right, and Carrie, I, I love Nick's anyway, show. I, I completely forgot that I hadn't mentioned her yet. So anyway, uh, and she did in fact get an Emmy nomination, which I'm thrilled about because that show rules. That show was great, um, and I'm looking forward to the next season. I know there's a next season. Well, I mean, obviously it could be in five years, but uh, it did it did get renewed, correct? It absolutely got renewed, and and absolutely nothing is going forward with it right now. So, at some at some point, when everybody makes nice and everybody is being properly paid again, I'm sure they will get back to business okay. on that one. All right, uh, and I'm interested in uh, in in your review. I've not watched it um, for the Showtime documentary about Wilt Chamberlain. It's called Goliath, in in an effort to confuse even more people about so many tons of things on TV that have shared names and are now like everywhere. And Goliath is the other, who's in, it's Billy Bob. Thornton, it was Billy Bob Thornton right? who was in, it was uh, Amazon legal drama from Brady right. Kelly initially, and then other people eventually. Uh, but yes, that is, that is not what this is. This is, this is the three part documentary Goliath about Will Chamberlain on Showtime, which is not to be confused with the three part documentary about Bill Russell, which was on Netflix, or the four part documentary about Shaquille O'Neal, right. which was on HBO, or the four part documentary about Bill Walton, which is the best of the group, which is was on ESPN. I didn't even see that one. I didn't yes, see that, the one. From, from, from director Steve James. Uh, oh my God, that was Steve James? It was how luckiest did I miss, guy how in the did world. I miss that? Wow. Uh, it's it, ESPN sort of has this thing where 
some of their 30 for 30s really get lost. And it was it was a 30 for 30 and it did. It premiered at South by Southwest. They they gave it a gala premiere and all of that. But yes, a four part documentary series from Steve James about Bill Walton wow. based on many lengthy interviews with Steve James and Bill Walton, who, wow. you know, sometimes very, very chummy, sometimes extremely prickly. It's it's easily the best of the I, recent run. I am so, going to, I'm going to learn, I'm going to check that out without question. But you're going to have a hard time doing that because unless you have ESPN plus, it's do really not. hard to track uh, down okay. the 30 for 30 episodes. If you have ESPN plus, it's easy. You just go to ESPN plus and you can watch it. I don't but think if you I do, have yet. Well, what is probably, ESPN, if, if there was a, what package would that be with? It like, would be packaged with Hulu and Disney plus, but I'd, only if the version of Hulu that you have is with ads, I think it's, it, it's I don't all, even, yeah. Okay. Well, I don't have either. I don't have Hulu and I don't have uh, Disney Plus. So uh, then how are you going to wait? If you don't have Hulu, how are you going to watch these new Futurama episodes, Nick? That's what I'm saying. I'm not going to be able to. Uh oh. (laughs) If it's an FX Hulu show, I can watch it. That's how it works. That's there's the reason. And that is the reason to answer your question. Oh, answer your question about what 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 we do in the shadows. That's why that is suddenly it is all incredibly clear. (laughs) I. Yeah. Makes total sense. Um, <laughs> and the fact that you were talking about all these Star Wars shows and I said nothing. That's why. <laughs> uh, I, I know your general feelings about the Star yeah. Wars universe, yeah. though yeah. I insist that you would have liked Andor because I, I know you everybody, liked every, One, so. Seriously, that's exactly right. Every single person I know is like, you'd like Andor because I'm, I'm a Rogue One fan. So. And, and I think you would. The question of whether you need to have... <laughs> of how long you would need to have Disney Plus yeah. in order to watch Andor and absolutely nothing else. Exactly. That's <laughs> that's the that's the reason. I don't know. Why at I some at see at some point though, you're gonna uh, you're gonna review whatever the the new Marvels movie is with the with I'll, all of I'll, those people, whatever I'll it's get, actually called. Yeah, it's called the Marvels. I'll get a, exactly. I'll, I'll get a link for that, Dan. That'll be okay. Uh, but you'll get that, but you won't know the story of this oh, marvel okay. who was introduced on a disney plus show yeah i don't know i'm not gonna know i don't know what the hell's going on with those movies anyway dan quite frankly <laughs> you know like every time i walk into a marvel movie for the first 15 minutes i'm like what the fuck is going on i have no idea so it's not going to be any different it's going to be par for the course dan me not knowing what's happening in a marvel movie is is not an unusual thing so, and uh, i'm not necessarily telling you that you want to get disney plus for right. that i'm just yeah. telling you it's the place where you could have that knowledge. Okay. it is the receptacle of that particular piece of knowledge that is okay, all which I'm is saying. which is why uh, you know like the espn plus as we can get back to the bill walton uh which is how we got off track on that with the bill walton thing that's why i wasn't i guess that's why i wasn't aware of it uh so very possible but yeah access so, to it so luck, luckiest guy in the world uh the best of the big man documentaries uh goliath is goliath is solid it's it basically Basically, the premise is that there was always this mythology around Will Chamberlain, and he was always defined. He was defined by his numbers, whether his numbers were that time he scored 100 points in a game, whether it was he scored 50 points and he averaged rather 50 points in a game for a season. A lot of the numbers are ridiculous. One of those numbers is, of course, the 20,000 women he allegedly bedded, et cetera, et cetera. And it sort of tries to get to the man underneath the numbers. And I think it does a decent job of it this is this is one of those three-part documentaries that probably needed actually a little bit more time that probably could have stood to be four hours but also it's hampered because will chamberlain died 
25 years ago and yeah. so he can't be there and they've made the the questionable decision and this is one that is being done more and more and more frequently to have an ai program read wilt chamberlain's own words from his autobiography and from interviews and it's it's a choice that i really do not like and they keep doing it over and over again they got in a lot of trouble on the tony bourdain documentary because they yeah. didn't acknowledge it which was pretty dumb uh there was the andy warhol documentary on netflix that used it and i thought kind of got away with it because it seemed like the kind of thing that actually would be yep. funny to andy warhol absolutely yep um but this is not that because i don't really feel like will chamberlain would be amused by the idea of a computer trying to read will chamberlain words with no affect whatsoever and so it's it kind of undermines that i really wish that probably that they'd just gotten an expressive celebrity to just do the you know even if it's just don Cheadle, who i feel like is the voiceover guy in 90 percent of these things uh it's either Liev Schreiber or Don Cheadle narrating everything um so th that's kind of a down point but I think for people who are into the idea of Will Chamberlain and into just how ridiculously outsized a personality and a talent he was I think it's I think it's pretty interesting stuff and there are a lot of good people in it uh but but in terms of good people definitely I would I would recommend that it, that Anyone with any interest in Bill Walton, whether you love him or hate him, hate him because it can be either one. Uh, checking out Luckiest Guy in the World, which is available on ESPN Plus, but only if you have ESPN Plus. Okay. Uh, anything that uh, that you have seen that you're going to be writing about, stuff that you're looking forward to, of course, beside the new season of Big Brother, which we will talk about the next time. We of course, uh, yeah. lots of the things that are the things I just need to line up in the next couple of days. So I am looking forward to watching new episodes of This Fool. I am looking forward very much to watching my screeners of Reservation Dogs. Yeah. Um, I've watched a couple episodes of the new season of uh, Dark Winds on. Uh, AMC, uh, which the Tony Hillerman nominate, uh, adaptation, the first season I thought was solid world building. The second season seems to be a step better than that. Uh, there's there's too much TV and a lot of it's going to get lost and there's no excuse for things getting lost. I really wish a lot of the services had been smarter and looked at what a log jam this week and next week is slash R and said, okay, let's, let's distribute things a little bit better because we don't have TV forever. Yeah. So yeah, they're, they're acting, they're acting like the TV is never going to run out. And I think the TV is running out faster than they think it is. Okay. Hey, uh, so the next time that we talk, we got all that stuff to talk about and I will, uh, I will share with you how the con went. Because uh, it'll be right after. It'll be the day after I get home from the from the flashback horror con. So good luck. I hope it is terrific. Thanks, I'm sure buddy. that people. I'm sure people will just be happy to be out and about, and that it will go swimmingly. I hope so. All right. Uh, always fun to talk to you, Dan. I will. I'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Till the next time, Nick. Okay. Take care, Dan Feinberg. Everybody from uh, the Fine Print and the Hollywood Reporter, uh, and he's awesome. And you know who else is awesome? Esmeralda Leon. Esmeralda. Yeah. Esmeralda Leon. That Esmer Esmeralda Leon, yeah. Esmeralda, yeah, yeah. Esmeralda Leon, yeah, yeah. Get yourself some Esmer, love me some Esmer. Esmeralda Leon.
And you hear that theme, and that always means it's time to talk to Esmeralda Leon, uh, my partner here in crime. And uh, let's say hello to Esmeralda. Hi, Esmeralda. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? All right. Not bad. You know, uh, supposed to be hot the next uh, several days. But, you know, that's what happens when it's late July in Chicago. When it's summer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My least favorite time of year. Fucking hate it. Um, but anyway, there you go. All right. Uh, so uh, we're gonna. Yeah, my dad's gonna stop by and tell a joke. You know that. Very nice. So he's yes. gonna. He's gonna disturb this person. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Hi, Carrie. How are you? Hi, Nick? I'm Carrie right. Russell, and I love oh, Nick's show. Oh my God, she has the uh, foreigner T-shirt that I got her. Uh, oh, weekend. that's nice. Yeah, that's what she's I'm wearing. glad she's wearing it. Big fan Good. of Foreigner. Yeah, she loves Foreigner. It's, a, it's oh. her thing. Yeah, she loves that song. Okay, well, thank you, uh, Carrie. Hi, I'm Carrie yeah, Russell, I know. and right, I okay. love Nick's show. Okay, we'll see you later. So my dad will tell a joke a little bit later on uh, as well. So that's uh, that's all coming up. Um, mm-hmm. So speaking of, speaking of concerts, I'll tell you about my little adventure there in uh, at your old stomping grounds there, the World Village. Music mm-hmm. Tweeter, Tweeter Village Center, Casino Hollywood Credit Union. Uh, we'll tell you all about that. But you went to the crazy Pitchfork. Where was the Pitchfork Festival uh, uh, located? Uh, as it is every year, isn't it the same place? Yeah, it's at Union Park. Right. Um. So it's like Ashland and Lake. Got it. So uh, Union Park, and you had some. Ra- I was at the. I was at a. Con- I was at an outdoor concert on Saturday. Had a little rain on Saturday. Yeah, they actually evacuated for a little bit because, um, so I was told I have a, uh, one of my friends is a sound engineer and he's done concerts and he said that whenever there is lightning within a 10 mile radius, they have to, safety, legal reasons, they have to evacuate. Yeah. So we, because where we were, there was just like a sprinkling of rain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you see the dark clouds and everything, but yeah, I guess there was lightning, ten mile in the within the ten mile radius, so they evacuated us for like mm, half hour, twenty minutes, mm-hmm. and then we and were able to it, go back in. Where does where does evacuate? What does that mean when you are evacuated you at Union park. park? I understand that, but where where do you go? They when don't you- care. <laughs> you just gotta leave the park. Okay. They are not concerned with where you go after that. Yeah, they just well, need you to get out of the park. Well, they've had to evacuate on on a much larger scale. They've had to evacuate Lollapalooza a couple of times, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's when you uh, you end up uh, at Miller's Pub or something. That's the- right. Yeah, you just <laughs> have to. They don't care what you do after you get out of those exits. They yeah. just do not need you in the park. Yeah. So you're out of the park. So where'd you guys go? Uh, stood, we just went down the, the street. Just, okay, I was gonna say just stood uh, on the other side of the fence because you weren't in the no. Because you weren't in the park. <laughs> no. We uh we walked over to um uh because uh Randolph Street is right there. So uh just me and a few of my friends we went over to Cruz Blanca, which is um taco place brewery. So we had some food, and then uh, we got the tweet that you could go back in. So we're like, oh, all right, all right. perfect. Okay. And by the way, is it going to be called tweeting or is it going to be called Xing now at this point? Oh God. Is that yeah. a, <laughs> this is this is fresh by the way. Uh, just a, a couple of days fresh or a day and a half fresh now. Elon Musk is changing the name of Twitter to X. Cool. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand what the hell is happening. Have you have you uh, 
logged into to Twitter? Have you checked your Twitter? Um, no, recently? I mean I don't look at it really. Yeah, well, if you go if you go now, the Twitter logo because they they're going to get rid of the bird. The bird's going to be mm-hmm. gone. Um, and so the bird is still there for like a millisecond, and then a big, really unattractively designed X pops up. That's Gross. What, <laughs> that's what it is, man. It's now Ugh. called X. So anyway, well, you got your X tweet, whatever that means. Um, so they told you that it was safe to go back to the park, went back to the park, and that's cool. Um, we had a, you know, when we were, because we were, this was in Tinley Park, mm-hmm. and we were at a pizza place. I went with uh, Julie and, and uh, some of her older friends, because Julie's from Tinley Park. Mm-hmm. originally and uh so she knows the area and there's this great pizza place oh shit i can't remember ed and P- ed and pats <sighs> shit i can't remember the name of it it's great pizza place i went there a long long time because julie and i dated many 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 years ago like in the 80s and um and we went there a couple of times you know 30 years ago when we dated mm-hmm. i think it's called ed i think it's called ed and oh uh, i can look it up i think ed and so wait pats. were you there you were there this weekend yeah and I forget the name of it. No, honestly, God, I don't remember the name of it. The name of it. Uh, Ed and Joe's? Ed and Joe's? Is it? Yeah, Ed is and Joe's. Is that it? That's it. Okay. Is it in Tinley Park? Yes. That's it. So Ed and Joe's, we go there, and it was, it's was it been around there. It's like a it's like a Tinley Park. That's the, When you want thin crust good pizza in Tinley Park, mm-hmm. you go there. That's where you go. Oh, okay. In fact, I believe your old boss, if I'm not mistaken, Johnny B loved that place. All if right. I'm not mistaken, Johnny B loved it. So anyway, so we went there, and that's when we got the... The, you know, everybody's phone kind of went blingy, bloongy, and there were like warning signs, you know, mm-hmm. you know about the concert is not o- opening yet. Like the venue is not opening yet because ah, there's okay. a threat. Yeah. So they didn't open the venue yet. And we were inside Ed and Joe's just hanging out and eating pizza and stuff. But I looked out the window and to the right of where we were sitting out the front window, it was the sky was black. So we were like, oh, yeah, geez. we um, some friends of mine who were supposed to go to the fest on saturday did not i think they made it for like a little bit and then the they started saying to evacuate so then they just went home and they live in logan square and they said that it was pouring it's at that time isn't it weird how that happens yeah when you because like i was literally i was going downtown i was going down to uh uh to to uh, to to go to to Julie's place, and I was taking the train downtown. And while I was on the train, I was like looking through my phone, as you want to do when you have nothing else to do. Instead, you don't want to look at the weirdo sitting across from you, so you look at your phone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when you're on the L, and so I'm looking at it, and um, a friend of mine, oh, it wasn't not just a friend, it's a, a colleague of ours, Monica Ang, posted on her Facebook page uh, a picture of her like under a bridge because it was pouring at Belmont Harbor. And I was like, yeah. wait, wait a minute, I was just at Irving and Pulaski. And there was yeah. like, they, and it was, there was a deluge at Belmont Harbor, which I just find, I always find that fascinating when one place like maybe five miles away is getting nailed with horrible weather and you're not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we didn't, we just had like a little sprinkling and that was it. Yeah. We got, we got, <laughs> we got, we got, we got rained on pretty good for a little while, like during, during yeah. Foreigner, about halfway through the Foreigner set. Um, there was a pretty good amount of rain to the point where we had to actually pick up, pick up the blanket and put it over, you know, kind of like drape it over our heads, all of us. Right. Yeah. Uh, and we're, or put our t-shirts over our heads and you know, whatever. I mean, but it wasn't horrible. It wasn't like, you know, we didn't have to go, Oh my God. And run for cover. Some people yeah. did get up and leave and run down to the pavilion area to stand underneath that. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't horrible. I mean, we were, we were a little damp after the show, but it wasn't bad. But okay. So weather aside, did you go all three? It was three days, correct? 
Yes. Did you go yes. all three days? I did. Yeah. Okay. Tell me a little bit about uh, the bands and your observations. Was John Cusack there uh, vaping? No, John oh. Cusack wasn't there. I didn't see him. Okay. Maybe he was. Who knows? Because I remember um, you know, one of the, one of yeah, the years he was there. Went... He was there for Brian Wilson. Brian Wilson uh, headlined one year, That's and right, he, he was there wearing he a bandana. To, he had to be because he played he played Brian Wilson in a movie. So right, that's why he, he legally had to be there. Yeah, I don't think he went on stage. I don't remember, mm-hmm. or if he was just on the sidelines and I could see him. Um, but I remember he was wearing a bandana. Of course he was, he, and that he, killed. It just cracked me up so much. I don't know why he just. It, but it so wasn't silly. like a, it wasn't like a like a headband bandana, the full skull cap bandana. No, so oh. he was like karate kidding it. You know, it was just around his. Oh, I head. see. Okay, I gotcha. All right, because normally back in the day when I used to hang out with, uh, he with, like a pirate. John, yeah, like a the full like. <laughs> The full like, like do rag, like a like a do rag bandana. He'd, he'd, he'd uh. that. I did that too. That was an '80s thing. I did that late '80s thing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a thing. That was a. At one point, people did that and actually walked around in public looking like that, which was cool. <laughs> uh, all right, so no, so no, no John Cusacks, but were no there any John other Cusacks. any other celebrity spottings um, besides I the bands? I didn't. I didn't see any. I saw. I did see. Um, and I don't know the man whatsoever, but I did see Steve Dolinsky. Okay. Uh, the hungry hound <laughs> walking yeah. around that guy um, okay what i thought was funny is he was um in the so there is this okay so you get you can buy a ticket regular old ticket mm-hmm. um but they have this vip area that you can pay for called plus where it's just this it's this area where there's it's shady there's trees you can get drinks there you can get food there so and there's nice bathrooms um, and then there's the other section, which is an invite-only area, where you are a guest, which Got is it. what I had. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of the same thing, except, yeah, you're not, it's not like, a, you you can't pay to go in there. I was, I saw that uh, Steve Dolinsky was in the plus, not, not a, he didn't have a guest mm-hmm. um, bracelet. And I was like, huh, someone doesn't have the connections, does he? Oh, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming he had to pay for that. Um, yeah, but I don't know the man. So I just thought it was funny just seeing him in there. Okay. Um, considering he's media. Um, but yeah, I didn't see anybody otherwise famous um, other than, you know, on stage. Other than on stage. Okay. So uh, so the so the first night, what, what, what did you see the first night? That was Friday night. What did you see? Um, so the ones I really – so the, the headliners were The Smile – which is yeah. essentially Radiohead. Right. It's Tom it's, York's other band. It's Tom York. It's Johnny Greenwood. It's essentially Radiohead. Yeah. Um, that was cool. The, um, they sounded like a jam band. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's probably why they're not going as Radiohead. They it it feels a little different from Radiohead in that it's it, it felt very jam bandy. It was them just kind of like focusing on the music and there was lyric but not as much as you would expect mm-hmm. like for did radiohead they, did, songs and all that kind of stuff did they play any radiohead songs or no 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 oh no okay no. okay they're not gonna do that i mean they stopped playing creep yeah <laughs> when they were in radiohead they're like we're, yeah. we're not gonna do that anymore yeah. so they no they completely they don't they don't care they do whatever they want yeah, and okay. they played all of the smile 
uh, songs. I did hear a band uh, called Nation of Language, which okay. is really good. It felt like kind of 80s new wavy. Mm-hmm. A lot of the bands, I mean, this is what happens. It's history repeating itself. Um, and, you know, a lot of the bands, their influences, 80s and all of that, 70s, 80s. So, yep. like, I heard one band, that Nation of Language on Friday was kind of like 80s new wave. The next day, I heard um, she was a singer named Way's Blood. I thought she was Linda Ronstad. <laughs> okay. She sounded just like her. I was like, that is Linda Ronstad up there. Mm-hmm. And, um, okay. And so, mm-hmm. and so she said, but she, was she good? Yeah, she was good. I mean, Linda Ronstadt is good too. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. It's just a funny thing to be like, that's, you sound like Linda Ronstadt. Um, like, so this year felt very quiet. Like all okay. the music was very By the like, way, mellow. Is, it, is Pitchfork just one stage? No, there's um, three oh, there, stages. Okay, three stages. Okay, cool. So when in your area, in your VIP area, can you only see one stage? No, you can. You can. They have. So where the there's um. There is um stands that you can go to if you want, mm-hmm. and every stage has one. Okay. Okay, I didn't know that. Okay, cool. That's cornered off for you. For so you for made a schedule. So like VIP. a lot of these festivals. So you, like a lot of these festivals, you made a schedule of which bands you wanted to see on which stage. Um, I mean, I didn't care to see anybody. Mm-hmm. I didn't really have any, like, want to see anybody, really, mm-hmm. um, because I wasn't too familiar with anyone. So I was just kind of floating around. My friends knew better. So I was like, I'll just follow you. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Um, I mean, like, all the, for me, all the headliners, I didn't really. The smile was fine. The Saturday was Big Thief, which is like folksy stuff, folksy mellow. Sunday was Boney Bear, which is like folksy. Oh, I really? Thought he sound- I thought he sounded like Phil Collins. Uh, I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> Boney Bear. Boy, have you? do you remember uh, Justin Timberlake's impression of Boney Bear on SNL? No. Oh, you got to see it. It's fantastic. It was when yeah. um, it's it's the, it's it's when Beyonce and um, and Prince Prince was Fred Armisen. And, okay. Uh, and Beyonce, of course, was played by Maya Rudolph. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they had like a house party. They had people come over, and uh, he came over as Bonnie. Oh, Bonnie Vera came over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was Justin Timberlake. Yeah, because he did do some songs. Um, he's done. He did some stuff with, I think, uh, what's his name, Kanye, and he's done like other stuff. But on his own, yeah, he's very mellow and weird. Mellow. Yeah. Very mellow. I like him. <laughs> I like Bonnie Vare. I like that. I he think was fine. Yeah. I I just you know I'm not a fan of going to unless I really I need to really really be into it if it's gonna be mellow because I don't I'm just like I could I'd rather be listening to this like I don't know traveling when you're on the bus and mm-hmm. you're staring out and you're listening to music that's great but I don't need to look at you while you sing your sad sad bastard songs <laughs> okay all right so bon Iver, not your cup of tea then at that point but he sounded like phil, he sounded like phil collins i thought he i was like this is phil collins up there <laughs> all right um what i really liked was soul glow which was on sunday and they were like essentially punk rock like mm. s- just hard punk rock it was super good mm. um there was another one they were from west africa named modu Mokhtar, and they were 
it, there was like African beats and like just really good guitar and there wasn't even words. It was just all just the music, which is super good. And I didn't really see them because I was in another area and I was just sitting around like enjoying what I heard. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. That's cool. All right, food wise, they have food trucks or vendors. What, what was the situation there? They do. Um, yeah, they have a bunch of stuff. Um, Donor Man, which is um, it's uh, sausages, and they do like shawarma type stuff. They have um, they have a great one. It's an Indonesian. Uh, pop. It's they they do pop ups for the most part. I think mm-hmm. they have a f- food truck, but it's called Bumbaroo. Mm-hmm. Um, and also they had in the, in the plus section, they had a oyster pop-up called motor shucker. And I had, I, they are very good salesmen and convinced me, they didn't have to convince me too hard, but <laughs> I ordered a dozen oysters and I had some from New Zealand, which I'd never had before. And they were so delicious. How were they prepared? Um, they were just raw. Oh, okay, cool. I thought maybe they weren't prepared differently, but no, raw is cool. And so, um, so they, so, but this, this particular food vendor was only in the, in the, in the badass section that you were in. Yes. Okay. So that's like the perks you get, you know, you pay the money and then like, yeah, you get okay. these perks of, um, specialty things happening in there, cocktails. And then, yeah, you can go in and it's easier to get a drink. It's easier to get the food because there's not as many people in there. Right. And an actual bathroom, not a tree. Yeah, no, it's it's like the air conditioned. They flush. Wow, um, they flush. To- Holy cow. Yeah, it's fancy toilets. That's amazing. So, that alone, if I didn't have a hookup, I would pay for that. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, you got a flushable toilet. That's always a plus right there, man. That's amazing. So, and air conditioning and in air the conditioning. toilets. In the toilet. A toilet, <laughs> I'd stay. I, You know what? If I went, I'd probably just sit in the toilet all day. I mean, you could. You could hang out yeah. in there. It's, it looks quite nice. Yeah. It looks like a like a restaurant bathroom in there. Oh, I'd hang out in there, man. I don't know. I don't know uh, any of the. I don't know. The only band that you mentioned that I know uh, is Bon Iver. Everybody else, I'm like, mm-hmm. I have no idea who that is. I didn't even know. I, smile. I didn't even know the smile was a thing. I mean, I know. I didn't either. I didn't yeah. either until I looked up a playlist and listened, and that song, the smile came on, and I was like, they sound like Radiohead. <laughs> I looked it up, and, and they, they were essentially and, Radiohead. Right. Right. <laughs> Oh, cool. And uh, and so the weather was, uh, I mean, just a little rainy and, and weird on Saturday, but not too bad. But otherwise, Friday and Sunday were both nice, right? Yeah, they were great. All day, sunny. Yeah. And it was crowded, uh, like, uh, like well attended. Um, yeah, I would, I guess so. It wasn't like packed, packed up where you couldn't get anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like Pitchfork is never really like that unless there is someone huge that's going to play. Yeah. Um, and like huge, huge. Cause, um, in past pitchforks, there have been, um, a little more mainstream artists playing the, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, the, you, you, the you headlining, mentioned, you mentioned Brian Wilson. That's as big as it gets kind of. Yeah. yeah. So Brian Wilson, Bjork, she actually, I think they had to cut her off because of, because of the rain, I believe the year that she played, mm-hmm. they had R Kelly one year. Wow. Did he pee on anybody? No, unfortunately. Okay. He did right. he did set off dubs. I think they were fake though. Jesus Christ. 
business. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh. th- this was in, I forget what year, but it was like pre when everyone um, still liked him. Yeah. Yeah. When I, he was still okay, yeah, quote unquote. There you go. All right. Well, all right. Uh, so that sounds like it was. That sounds like it was. So overall, great time. You had some really, really good oysters, and you got to yeah. see Tom York. I always, yeah, I always have a good time. Um, just because I'm just, I'm just there to hang out for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just fun to see. I see friends. I see people. I saw a few people I hadn't seen in a very long time. That's always fun. Yeah. So it's always nice to just hang out. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Well, it's very cool. Um, yeah, so that's what you, that's what you did all weekend. I went to see um, a friend's play mm-hmm. called uh, at the Factory Theater, my old mm-hmm. my old uh, my old uh, theater company that's still running strong. Check out factorytheater.com with an er, not an re. Um, and um, it was called Lane Call, a night of closing, and it was written by Scott Oaken and Len Foot, friends that I've known for forty years about. Mm-hmm. And it was written about their time that they spent as employees and then eventually one of them as a, as a manager of Venture. Mm. People who don't remember Venture, Venture is kind of like the, they were like, uh, the, like the, target. The, the target of, their, of, that day, of those yeah. days. And so they worked there in the mid 80s and the show takes place in one night in 1985. And it was sweet and funny and... Um, I will say this: It was none of it was new to me because I've <laughs> I've heard all those I've heard all those stories, and there were actual moments in it, in exchanges and dialogue that some of that stuff came out of my mouth. Um, so it was mm-hmm. interesting, to, you know, because these were actual <laughs> real conversations that Scott and Len and, and our friends would have during that time period in 1985 when they all worked at Venture and I worked at Jewel and other. You know, we had a lot of retail jobs at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know they all come together, and but it, it was a really sweet, uh, really sweet show. Nice young cast. I just felt really old as a person who did theater because mm-hmm. I was like, man, those people. Some of these people weren't even alive when the factory started, you know, or they were <laughs> they were babies. They were babies when the factory started. So because uh, the factory started back in nineteen ninety two, so I know it's 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 uh, it's out there. It's a long time. So twenty yeah. nine. They're they're hitting their twenty ninth season. Wow. That's amazing. Uh, it's crazy, man. It's absolutely crazy. So they, they had to, they were shut down. Um, you know, a couple of times over the years, the theater had to shut down. They relocated. They had some issues and stuff like that. And obviously, COVID during the years, mm-hmm. but uh, still pretty regularly and uh, and still been around as a as a unit. The Factory Theater's been around since 1992. So very nice. Pretty cool. But the fun that was that, that was a fun show, and I got I got to see a few people that I hadn't seen in a very long time. Well, that's um, good. Yeah, I hadn't been to the factory in a really long time. For a long time, it was hard for me to think about going to the factory because it, um, uh, the factory theater and uh, and that time period, it, it's associated with drinking a lot for me. And so it's hard mm-hmm. for me. You know, it's a, it's a triggering thing, and it's hard for me. I kind of avoided it for a long time. Yeah. Um, and so I felt more comfortable doing things that I did while I was drinking. Now I feel, I feel fine about it because it just took mm-hmm. a while. And it was fun. It was fun to be in the space. I hadn't been in that space before. The, it's not a new space, but this, it's their space on Howard. Uh, it's really nice. I went backstage. I was taking on a tour of the artistic director, Tim Amos, who's a great actor. I directed him in a show, and he's now artistic director, and he took me on a tour, and it was fun. It was great. And my friend Julie went with me, and she was she had a great time. And she nice. knows Len. She knows Len and all that, and she knows Scott, and so she recognized all the names and stuff in it as well, so it was fun. And then Saturday, uh, we went to uh, Twitter Center Hollywood you know, World credit card number eight or whatever the hell it's called. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's called 
and we saw Foreigner and uh, Foreigner and uh, and, and Loverboy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, are you a fan of either of those bands, uh, Foreigner and and and, um, or, and or Loverboy? I mean, I don't hate them, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I don't think I would. Uh, pay money to see a show <laughs> yeah i mean i some of the songs that you would know like you probably know you you probably know the songs like lover boy i mean obviously uh working for the weekend you know yeah. everybody yeah, yeah, yeah. and hot girls in love and all that shit um and then like foreigner obviously urgent and you know all the i mean they had, had hot blooded and you know jukebox hero mm-hmm. dirty mm-hmm. white boy dirty white boy all the you know they had a lot of hits um and so julie is the one who got this together and she Got a whole bunch of tickets. And again, I saw people like you. I saw people I hadn't seen in years. But these are people I hadn't seen in, a, in a many, many years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we all got together and we went to the Ed and Joe's pizza place. Um, pizza's fantastic at that place. It still is. It still is. Nice. I mean, I haven't, I haven't been there in many, 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 many years. And the pizza is amazing. So we had some pizza and then we went, got our blankets. We got our, you know, everything. And we chilled out. And then we, we, we saw the show. And... Um, I was I, I was I was telling them I was I, I was actually more excited about Loverboy uh, than, mm-hmm. for, than Foreigner, <laughs> um, and they were like, "What do you mean, Foreigner's legendary?" And I'm like, "Yeah, man, so is Loverboy," you know. And yeah, and uh, and I have a lot of personal connections to Loverboy because like Loverboy was the first date I ever went on with my 22 year old manager from McDonald's. From McDonald's. That was our first. That was our. First, that was our first date. <laughs> it was Loverboy, uh, and that was at the U. The U of C. The Pavilion at the. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and um, and the opening band was uh, Frankie and the Knockouts, which nobody really remembers those guys. Um, I do. I love those guys. But they. But here's a, here's a little piece of trivia, Esmeralda. Mm-hmm. The lead uh, singer and founder of Frankie and the Knockouts, Frankie Prevetti, is his name. Mm-hmm. He wrote. I've had the time of my life. He wrote oh. that. So he's set for life. That dude's done. Yeah, he's, he's good. Know. Yeah, he's good. <laughs> he won an Academy Award for that. I, you know, yeah. so he's, he's good. But he, you know, like before that, he was in this band called Frankie and the Knockouts. And they had a couple of minor yeah. hits. They had, if you were to Google them, you would see like vintage Frankie and the Knockouts. Uh, Frankie's got like a fantastic 80s mustache, fantastic early 80s mustache. Yeah. If you if you if you were to like look him up, Frankie Frankie and the Knockouts, they had a couple of hits. They had a song called Sweetheart. They had a song called uh, Not Another Lonely Night, and they're very Esmeralda. You, I think you would you would find them fun to listen to, or at least amusing, because they're very early 80s sort of pop rock stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think you would find yeah. it. In, you know. So anyway, they opened for Loverboy, and that was back in 1982. So. And I had seen Loverboy one time in the late 80s. That was the last time I saw him. Foreigner I saw a couple of times like in the 70s and 80s. So I hadn't seen, I literally hadn't seen either of these bands in over 30 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we get there and uh, I, I don't know what's, I don't know who they hire to work the parking. Did you know anybody that worked the parking lots while you were? Uh, yeah, it's all employed. It's all, um, they're all employed under okay. whatever that it's called now. Oh, did you ever <laughs> have to work the parking lot? No, so you're in you're in all these different groups. So you either you get hired as parking, you get hired as security or as an usher, whatever. Okay. Oh, so you got hired to usher. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so I you, was an usher. You, okay. You could well, move. You could. You could try to. You know, if you wanted to. Could you request uh, parking? I'm. <laughs> no, you, I mean, you, I I was an usher. I didn't. I yeah. didn't. Why, why would I want to be in the? No, that, lot? I I understand. I understand. <laughs> but all I'm saying is, uh, judging upon the two people that we encountered when we were going to the parking to park, 
Uh, you really don't have to be qualified to even be a human. Uh, to no, be I mean, parking. what are you doing there? You don't do. You just you're trying to fit cars in. <laughs> yeah, well, but not just that. Like we walked up. Apparently, they don't know what's going on because we walked up. Some kid. He looked like he was 16. And oh he yeah, was, for sure. And he, probably. He, was, he was wearing the vest. You know, like he was like mm-hmm. this is a vest that I'm that I'm wearing to signify that I work here, so I can answer a question. Mm-hmm. And so there were there there are now. And you probably know this. There are now four different kinds of parking, because there's like yeah, that makes ultimate, sense. Like ultimate paid. parking, yeah. reserved parking, premium parking, VIP parking, and then free parking. And free parking yeah. is where you have to walk like twelve miles to get to the place. And right, of course. So Julie opted. She had premier parking as part of the package that she got, mm-hmm. but that evidently is different than VIP. It's evidently different than reserved. And I mean, yeah, they're trying to get every cent out of you. You so. know, I, I saw. Do you know? Do you know? Esmeralda, we were passing at one point. There was a parking lot that was fucking eighty dollars to park. Whoo, eighty dollars. Yeah. Now, look, I know that everything is more expensive nowadays. I understand that, but doesn't it seem insane to pay eighty dollars to park? Well, see, here's the thing, though. Were there cars in there? Uh, no, well, not a t- well. You know, we we got there. Uh, we got there about a half an hour before the show started. So, you know, I mean, and it wasn't packed. That, that but again, if you if you paid eighty dollars for parking, you can get there anytime you want and get the fuck out anytime you want. I guess that's the yeah. advantage. You know. Well, but it's the thing of someone paid. No, they did. I know. <laughs> well, I mean, but, but a lot of people, a lot of people are. Fucking people wilding. are willing. Well, that's also it. people are also, willing. <laughs> not only are they willing, but also the the people that are going to see Foreigner and Loverboy are people who probably have a little bit more money because they're older. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like these, I don't think there was a person except for the kids that were, you know, th- that's parents dragged them to this show. Right. Right. I don't think there was a person under forty or forty five in that in in there that in there on Saturday night. I really don't. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, I'll also tell you that when I was working there, if the shows were not selling well, they would give you free tickets. Oh, no. So then, yeah. (laughs) Here's what I found out. Julie added a couple of tickets because more people decided they wanted to come. Mm-hmm. And she, and so she added a couple of ticks and they were like twenty bucks each. And I was and and she was pissed because she's like, well, if I would have waited, <laughs> yeah, she, she paid a lot more than twenty dollars to or she ordered the tickets a couple of months ago or like a month ago. Yeah, I could have told you. That yeah, and so she got him a couple, you know, you know, and got the and got the parking. But well, anyway, we drive up and there's like this sixteen year old kid with a vest on, and we're like, and all we we asked him a simple question. She had her phone out to show to show him like that she had like the premiere thing mm-hmm. as part of her mm-hmm. as part of her package so had, she had her phone out and she goes where's premier parking he's like uh i think you have to he, he's like i think yeah he goes i think you have to do a u-turn um and go back and then go go that way that's like was his answer yeah and so and the and the, where we were supposed to do the u-turn had been um blocked off by flags as a single lane so we couldn't do a fucking u-turn because like <laughs> there were cars behind us that were going in that one direction Oh God! So there was like, if we were trying to do a U-turn, we would end up going down, going down the wrong direction. Um, so this guy was no help at all. We're like, well, where's the? Is it back? Which way? And he's like, yeah, yeah. I think, I think you have to do a U-turn and go there. <laughs> they, I even like when we went, it, it, I didn't understand how anything was happening in that parking lot. <laughs> no, it, I, it, I honestly, it, God, Esmeralda, it was incredibly confusing. It really was. They don't. It's never. I don't think it's ever been 
uh, like if easily put up like you could easily put up giant signs that say yeah. this way arrows yeah. Yeah. you know airy to, to delineate what everything is and yeah. i don't think they do. Well, they just well, don't well when, we went, when you and me and colin went last year to tears for fears we i remember us going in and avoiding all of that craziness because we just parked in the first lot that we could right so it was like, I don't exactly. care. And we walked. We walked. But right. Because, and because we actually, we got really lucky because it was fairly close. It was fine. It was great. There, was no, there were no problems at all. That whole night yeah. was great. I mean, the concert was great. Everything was fine. The facility was good. The sound was fine. Everything. Um, but, what, but because Julie had already pre-ordered these in part and had the premiere thing. Yeah. You know, because you, you and me and Colin were like, well, where are we going to park? And we saw a parking lot and went, let's park there. You know, that was it. Was yeah, because uh, we but, don't know. <laughs> yeah. But like Julie was like, she paid for the premiere parking. So she wanted mm-hmm. the premiere parking. And meanwhile, so, I got I got a guy going, uh, I don't know, make a U-turn and go back there. You know, like, what the fuck? So when you eventually got there, was it, do you think it was worth paying for? It, yeah, we were close to the gate. And and afterwards, I mean, we ended up staying, They we ended up getting kicked out because Julie... Uh, knew some friends that were there and some cousins that were there that still live in Tinley who hadn't seen each other in years. Oh, so okay. they ended up talking on that, you know, that uh, that walkway between the pavilion and the lawn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were talking for like a half an hour after the show because they hadn't seen each other in years. They're taking pictures yeah. and stuff. And finally, yeah. you know, uh, like you would have come up to us and said, get the fuck out. Like they were... <laughs> Yeah, it would have been like it's time to go, everybody. No, that's what they did. They did. They shagged us out. They were like, "Get out!" So we, because so by the time we got to the parking lot, we were one of the only cars left. So it was easy yeah. to find, and you know. But no, the parking because was fine. We can't. No one can leave until everyone leaves. I know. Yep, I understand that. <laughs> and, and 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 I was like getting to the point because you know like I was getting to because they but but seriously they were like cousins and they hadn't seen each other in like years. Yeah. So they were like, yeah, uh, you know, and, 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 and at one point, like the people who didn't know them, that we were all kind of like, I think we need to leave because like, <laughs> so. Oh, well, be in the car. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're, if I can find premier parking, like, uh, if I, <laughs> oh, I don't know, man, just make a U-turn here. Like, all right, good. I'm glad you're earning your $16 an hour. Con- congratulations. Um, so, so the show itself. Um, so Loverboy, I, I was very excited about Loverboy. Loverboy comes out, Esmeralda. Um, mm-hmm. The lead singer of Loverboy is a guy named Mike Reno, mm-hmm. um, and like John Cusack, he wears his he has a trademark bandana that he wears. He of wears course, the, and, and you're familiar with Mike Mike Reno, right? Yeah. You've seen the video. Was he he's wearing the, leather? He was not because he's okay. Here's the thing about Mike Reno. Um, <laughs> I told I told one of our friends who was there, Maureen, who was a, a childhood friend of Julie's, who I had not seen in years, and I told Maureen, she's like, I can't wait to see Mike Reno, and I'm like, Are you? When was the last time you saw him? She's like, Oh God, years ago, and I'm like, Okay, all I'm saying is just. <laughs> I go, don't Google him or anything right now. Um, yeah. But just prepare yourself for when he comes out. She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, just, I'll look, I'll, I will look at you. When you get your first look at him, I will just look at you and I'll wait for the expression on your face. She's like, oh, okay. So the show starts, as well, the show starts and uh, an acapella choir who won like an, a competition at a high school from a high school, they opened the show. They like won a. <laughs> Oh, wow. So there was like a that's, group of that's hi- fun. high schoolers who came out and started doing acapella. And I'm sure that they were all like, what is Foreigner? Who the fuck is Loverboy? And why are there 90-year-olds out here? Uh, what are we doing? <laughs> why are we here? And so they, and uh, you know, in the crowd, because the crowd was older, they were respectful. I would imagine that if it were a crowd full of 20-somethings, they'd be like, get the fuck off the stage, you know. You know, right. but like, but like, these could be grandparents. Uh, gr- these these could be their grandparent grandchildren up there. Some like, of them probably I, were. And I'm not. I'm not. I <laughs> wouldn't doubt that. And they were like, "Yay!" And everybody was like very supportive. 
So they're up there doing their thing. I'd never seen that before. I'd never gone to a hard rock concert and had a sixteen-year-old, a bunch of sixteen-year-olds on stage doing a cappella choir. <laughs> yeah. open. That was very weird. That was right before Loverboy came out. Oh, and by the way, I have to tell you this. They were doing like a raffle. And this is like, you don't see rat. Like if you go to see Beyonce, like Beyonce was at Soldier Field. If you go to, to that mm-hmm. or you go to like uh, Taylor Swift, I don't think they have people walking around. Get your raffle tickets. I don't think they have that. No. But they, they did. Not. They did at the Foreigner, <laughs> at the Foreigner Loverboy show. They did. What was uh, the raffle? It was a raffle for a, a, a guitar autographed by Foreigner. Ah. So that was the thing. And here's the kicker. Are you ready for this, Esmeralda? Mm-hmm. The- <laughs> The people that were selling the raffle tickets, that were walking up and down the raffle tickets, they were all Shriners. Mm. So they had like a bunch of like 70-year-old guys walking around with fezes on. (laughs) They had their Shriner fezes on going, here's a raffle ticket. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) There are Shriners walking around selling raffle tickets at a rock concert at Tinley Park. I was like, what are we, what the hell is happening? It was just very weird. (laughs) You know, so there's a whole bunch of us we haven't seen. We've known each other for a long time. And everybody, everybody who was sitting on the blankets with us, we were all, all of us were in our 50s, you know, and, mm-hmm. and we were all like, OK, this is amazing. This is incredible. There are Shriners. I was very disappointed that they were not in their little cars. I was very disappointed that the Shriner dudes were not driving around in their little in their little. Cars. Right. Very I don't know how that would have worked if they were up the hill the, trying to yeah. get up in the yeah trying to get into the onto the lawn <laughs> tipping over and falling down the hill in their little car they their, their fez is flying everywhere but anyway so that was happening and it was it was foreigner's farewell big farewell tour okay mm-hmm. so Loverboy comes out and they've got the big poster like the backdrop on the stage is the crossed fingers and the red leather pants ass of the uh, the mm-hmm. cover of get lucky. They get out on stage, the band comes out, and the band is out there, and they're playing, like, the intro to the opening song, okay? And I'm looking at Maureen, because I know Mike Reno's about to come out. And, uh, and you know, they've got the big, like, you can watch the big screens. We, we could see the stage, too, but we were on the lawn, so you'd watch the big screens. Yeah. So when Reno, now, I don't know if anybody has seen Mike Reno lately, but Esmeralda, you seem to have a knowing chuckle, because I think you've seen pictures of Mike Reno now. Right. Yeah. I've yes, I have before. Mike Reno ra- weighs a po- approximately two hundred and eighty pounds now. He is just huge, and this is a guy he's, who was like, yeah, he's he's fat. He's a big fat old yeah, guy. He's aged. He's, he's aged. aged. No, exactly. No, he's <laughs> aged, and he's fat now. He's a big, big guy, and and so and and I don't you know he was like a I mean like a svelte leather pants wearing sex symbol in the eighties, mm-hmm. and he was like three times the size that he was in the eighties. And as soon as he came out and they had a close-up of him, Maureen, I saw her jaw drop, like literally go, <gasps> and I'm like, yeah, that's Mike Reno. <laughs> that's Mike Reno. <laughs> and then the rest of the band, and they were all the original members of Loverboy. And like, yeah. they're all like, Ugh. they were all like old and they were, but you know, they were, you know, they all had gray hair and everything. And the drummer, at one point, the drummer climbed up on the drum kit to do a solo. And I'm like, no, I was worried for his health. <laughs> like, don't he's, fall. He's going to fall and break his fucking hip. I, that's not, you know, I don't know. And I was worried, and Mike Reno's like all big and huge and everything. But they sounded great, and they played hit after hit after tasty fucking hit, you know? Nice. And Mike Reno still got the voice. He may be triple the size he once was, and he may be old and have gray hair and not as much of it on top of his head, which made, by the way, Esmeralda, made the bandana wider because he had to, cover up, he had to cover up the real estate of skin on top of his head. <laughs> um, 
But he sounded great. And they were fucking great. They were great. And they played all the hits. They played everything, man. And I was like, I was like 17 again. I was like, yeah, I was having a great fucking time. That's awesome. And we were all, it was awesome. And we were laughing. And I was like, oh my God, Mike Reno is so big now. But that's cool. Because you know what? Fuck it. I'm fat now, too. I'm in my 50s. And I got a gut and I'm a belly. And I'm fucking all. It was awesome. And, and I mean, it was yeah, cool. that's what that's what matters. Do you still sound good? They sounded fantastic. It doesn't matter what you look like. Yeah, no. As no, long no. as you can still get out there and you're actually sounding great. I, listen, listen. Once the once the the jarring image of Mike Reno struck <laughs> struck Maureen and everybody else, you know, and then once you know you saw how good natured and how much fucking fun he was having. Like he was having a blast. All these yeah. guys were. All these old guys are playing for like thirty thousand people. And they were having a blast. And these are so- these are songs that are forty years old, you know. And everybody was singing along and everything, and it was cool. So then Foreigner comes out. Now, um, Mick Jones is the founding member of Foreigner, and he is technically the only original member of Foreigner left. Ah. Like, like Lou Graham, the lead singer, he and Mick Jones famously didn't get along very well, and he left the band. Lou Grant, Lou, Lou, Lou Grant, yes, Ed Asner left the band. Lou Grant, <laughs> Lou Graham left the band, and then all the other original members were gone, so it was just Mick Jones. And Mick Jones is in his late 70s, and his health goes up and down, so he sporadically uh, has appeared on this tour. And I had read that he was going to be at Tinley Park, which is why I was very excited. He wasn't. So hmm. essentially, the guys that came out were none of them were original members. Some of them had only been with the band for maybe I don't know. A couple of guys were in the band for maybe 10, 11 years, but this band's been around for almost fifty. Mm-hmm. It was essentially a goddamn tribute band. Like they came out, I'm like, we're not even. There's nobody. <laughs> oh, that's kind of a bummer. This, it's a total How did bummer. They sound. Uh, well, they sounded good, but they sounded as good as a tribute band can sound, and I don't think right. that. A glorified tribute band should uh, have tickets that are priced up to two hundred dollars. You know what That's I mean? Like, I, pretty funny. It's ridiculous. And they came out. I'm like, <laughs> wait, is it? That much. So I'm looking at this. I'm looking at the stage and I'm looking at the screen and I'm like, where the fuck is Mick Jones? Because I'm like Mick Jones. And then I discovered that he wasn't. So I Googled it and they said that he was not going to be in Tinley Park. And I'm like, motherfucker. So there was not one original member in the band. Mm. Not one. And so, and the lead singer is this guy named Kelly Hansen, mm-hmm. who at one point worked with Dokken. Yeah. Oh. You know, and he was in a band called Hurricane or some shit. And he okay. <laughs> was, let me tell you something, Esmeralda. You know the, the kind of shtick and uh, cliched shit that lead singers do, like especially rock lead singers? Yeah. Yeah, man, put your hands up. You know, that kind of shit. Like, hey. You know, like, how many of you are, he's doing stuff like, how many of you are over 40? Yeah. You know, like, and then he's doing stuff like, put your arms up and hug the people next to you. He's doing this kind of shit. Yeah. It was, it was ridiculous. And the city's like, he's like introducing each, you know, song. He's like, let me tell you something about this. Blah, blah, blah. And he's going on and on. I'm like, shut the fuck up. First of all, you weren't in the band when these songs were written, you fucking idiot. You know, and, (laughs) and he's just going, he was the most, every possible rock concert, quote, unquote cliche that a lead singer frontman would do he did constantly yeah like, well he's gonna it? milk it he oh uh, he may God. or may not you know sing next uh stop <laughs> yeah so he well well no actually mick mick uh uh mick jones not a lead singer he's a guitarist so that he's he's been the replacement for lou graham for like 10 years oh uh, okay so he comes out, and at one point they do an acoustic set, okay? So they bring everybody down here. Yeah, there's like eight, seven guys on stage. And so this mm-hmm. guy, this guy, this Kelly Hansen dick, 
you know, like, yeah, man, I'm going to introduce you to the band. And he's taking 20 minutes to introduce these fucking guys that nobody had ever heard of before, you know? Like, one guy <laughs> one guy was the second bassist for Dokken. That was the most famous guy on stage. <laughs> I mean, and he's like, yeah, man, this guy is amazing. He's an amazing guitarist. Look at his face. He's fantastic. We call him the magician. And I'm like, what? I don't give a shit about this. <laughs> Shut up and play hot-blooded, asshole. You know, like, I don't care about this. And this guy at one, so at the, at the encore, Esmeralda, before they, because they hadn't played I Want to Know What Love Is yet. And you, you mm-hmm. know, you have to play that. Of course. So he comes out and he's like, thank you, everybody. And he, the camera is, is on him, you know, like really tight on his face. And he's about to talk into the mic, but then he starts crying. He puts his hands over oh, his wow. face. And he's like, <sighs> you know, and, Yikes. and he's like, let me tell you something about how blessed I am to work with these men. And I'm like, dude, you're not even. <laughs> You are not even in the fucking band officially, you know? And he starts crying like, man, I'll tell you something. We're a real band. Our mics are live, man. Nothing's recorded. We're a real band. Yeah. Okay. Like, he's like bitching. At one point, he's like screaming about how we don't tape anything. Blah, blah, blah. Like, Shut the mm. fuck up. Right, so by the, end when he was, by the end when he was crying, I was like, okay, this guy, I want to punch this guy in the mind. So, it was, so, so the band sounded good because they were a really good foreigner cover band. Who mm-hmm. should be playing instead of playing at the Capital One Center or whatever the hell it is? They should have been playing in the Ramada down the block. You know what I mean? Damn. Like that's that's where they were good. They sounded good. They played the songs good, but none of these guys were really foreigners, you know. And but I will say this: now you know the song "Urgent," right? By, yes. By, okay. Mm-hmm. And now, if when I say if I say, "Oh man, that song's cool," what's one of the cool things about "Urgent" about the song "Urgent" that the you would core? remember? The there's uh-huh. a well, I will tell you. It's I'll like, save. Uh-uh. I'll, it's the, that... it's a saxophone solo. There's a saxophone solo in the middle of Urgent that is like one of the most, one of the greatest and most legendary rock saxophone solos ever. And so uh, at, one point in the, at one point in the concert, we were, we were all sitting there and I'm like, so who's going to do the sax solo on Urgent? And we were all just trying to figure out which dickhead on stage <laughs> was going to do the sax solo. Well, it turns out, Esmeralda, that nobody did it because a dude did it on the guitar. Like oh, he, <laughs> he came up with a fucking keytar, and with the '80s keytar. Damn! One of the most legendary sax solos of all time—a solo that is yeah. associated exclusively with one instrument—and some jagoff comes out looking like Howard Jones with a giant keytar playing that instead of a sax. And I was like, I don't even. And, it, and by the way, this Kelly Hansen, the lead singer, is like, "Are you ready for something revolutionary?" Like in the middle of the song, because everybody is <laughs> a guitar. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So like everybody in that place was like, "Okay, this is the sax solo," you know, like because it's legendary. And all of us people between fifty and seventy who were there, you know, to see that know the sax solo and know it's one of the greatest sax solos of all time, played by one of the greatest saxophone players of all time. And and they're like, "Yeah, man, are you ready for something revolutionary and something different? Get ready." Here you go. And he points at the guy, and the guy comes out with a keytar, and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? So, anyway. We had a good time, though. We had a great time. Yeah, it sounds like it was a good time. It was fun, and we were all there, and we were By the time this guy, when this guy kept talking, we just started making jokes. Like, shut up, man. And it was funny. I will say this. In a very sort of, like, insincere showbiz, quote-unquote, kind of like Jerry Lewis telethon kind of way, it was Mm -hmm. entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> so you were eating fantastic oysters, and we were watching Shriners handout tra- uh, uh, raffle tickets. <laughs> yeah. That was the difference. Yeah. All yeah. right. Uh oh. 
Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and Hi, Carrie. I love Hi. Nick's show. I Get out of the way, Carrie. Get out of the way. <laughs> by the way, that T-shirt, by the way, it should say tribute band, not foreigner. That's what it should Oh. Be. Yeah. All right. Oh, here's my dad. You ready for my dad? Yeah. Yeah. It's, oh, it's the best part of the week, baby. It's time to hear something funny. Here we go. With your music intro. Ah! It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. What'd I say? It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Oh, yes! Here we go! Yeah. My dad tells a joke every Tuesday on the podcast. Hi, Dad. You ready? Here we go. You're ready. Here we go. I'm on a plane, and lunch choices were chicken and German sausage. Unfortunately, I'm seated in the last row. I'm hoping for the breast, but preparing for the worst. <laughs> Love it. That was oh, good. man. That was that's good. a goddamn good joke, Dad. Oh, man. Right? Yeah. Oh, that was good, man. That was that, a journey. That's a great one. But, man, it paid off. The worst, the oh, breast. Yes. That's good. God damn, Dad. Good for you, buddy, man. That was jokey, jokey, jokey time. It was a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's yeah. dad told a joke. He'll do it. We'll do it next Tuesday as well. Uh, flashbackweekend.com. Uh, Get your tickets now. Uh, Saturday, August 5th at 1230. Esmeralda and I on stage. Uh, I'm going to be uh, premiering a, a trailer for a horror movie that's coming out in August. We're going to be talking about that and having some fun with you guys, giving away T-shirts and other prizes. And our special guest, Esmeralda, you and I are hosting on the podcast the 40th mm-hmm. anniversary reunion of John Carpenter's Christine. Oh, my goodness. It's going to be awesome. So anyway. is the car going to be on stage? <laughs> no, the car's going to be in the other room. I'm sorry. Dang. Unless we I was get hoping somebody to... to drive into Christine. I was, I was hoping maybe with... I'll, we'll find out. Maybe I can hijack the car. We can drive it up on stage. Uh, oh, but boy. It, it will only be just like a few hundred feet away from us, but it will be there. Okay. But yeah, that's the th- close enough. That's but good. the three, but the three actors from Christine will be up on stage with us. It's going to be amazing. Great. Yeah. And we're going to give away a lot of fun. And Esmeralda and I will be there and say hi to us and all that cool stuff. Let's pack the place. Uh, uh, so check it out. Flashbackweekend.com. Uh, next time, uh, speaking of Christine, um, Esmeralda, Malcolm Denar, who will be on stage with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. This one of the stars of Christine will be there to talk about Christine and Lords of Discipline and the Heaven Help Us and all the other movies he's been in and to talk about all this great stuff that'll be happening at Flashback. So that's on the next episode. So cool. All right, Esmeralda, thanks. Thank you. And you want to be a part of the uh, podcast, you want to advertise with the sales at RadioMisfits.com. If you would like to leave a voicemail message at 773-417-6948, email us, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. My thanks to Ed and everybody at Radio Misfits and to Jason Skaggs, who does all the sound and all that cool stuff. And we'll see you next time on the Nick D Podcast. The wind is right on me.